Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of How the Grades Do It. We have Sean Adams on with us today. Super excited for our conversation. Head of Sales and Partnerships for IORAD. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Tyler, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. We'd love to hear a little bit about what you've been up to at IORAD, and um, maybe you can kind of give us that high little overview. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just, you know, very, very quick background on myself. Uh, I spent about the first 10 years of my career as a small business owner. I was actually in the blue collar space, did a bunch in construction and some real estate work and uh, started to involve technology. This was right when the cloud was becoming a thing and actually had an opportunity to exit one of those companies and focus a little bit more on tech. And so I started using uh, some early stage software uh, primarily to help blue collar companies. So I was doing a, a bunch of that for a couple of years as a consultant and then found this world of tech sales. One of those companies uh, that I was recommending as a software said, hey, why don't you come run sales for us internally? You used to be the customer that you are now going to be selling to, so it'll be a good you know, subject matter expertise for you. And um, that's how I got into tech sales, and the rest has been history. So it's been six, seven years now, a couple different companies, um, and ultimately found myself into IORAD, which is actually an interactive tutorial building tool. So think about capturing your screen and being able to build a step-by-step -step simulation on any kind of process. So we do a lot with sales enablement, sales training, best practices for things like LinkedIn or our CRM or any kind of training in L&D. Um, and that's really what we focus on now. And we use content as a, a big driver to, to help us grow. Yeah, no, I love that. And that totally makes sense, right? Like, <clears throat> how do we rent people the quickest? And that's providing them with training to be able to um, get them to do the 80% of their job that they do or the 20% the of the job they do 80% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I know that, you know, we talked about kind of like what we were going to talk about today and it's really something that's, uh, that's, it's, it's a good thing and I think it's a bad thing. And so it's, it's us figuring out how we're going to be able to combine these two things, uh, for a better sales experience for everyone involved, right? Prospects and, uh, salespeople alike. And really that's about the tools that we're using and the outreach that we're, um, that we'll, that we're using to, to do it. And um, I know that we talked, we chatted about, you know, a lot of that cold outreach we get, you know, previous 10 years ago, I, I remember it was odd if you got maybe one or two cold calls. I think I get 30 robocalls a day now. Yeah. Um, and so like, what do we do about this? Like, what, wh where is the problem solved there? Yeah. I can't say I can solve the actual problem with more technology. <laughs> <laughs> All I can do is try to help folks see why that might not be overly valuable. Uh, and one of the yeah. ways I like to do that is through thinking of this as a profession and not just a job to get a paycheck. And the reason why I say that is because, like we just said, we've been on this call for five minutes, not even. I probably, yeah. each of us have probably gotten a couple of cold calls during that time, right? Right. What that means is that entire channel, the power of it is just getting less and less and less. People are not even answering friends and family because of how bad people that they don't know have burnt down that bridge. And so the reality is as a rep, when you're looking at that, you're going, okay, well, this channel is going to be like less and less effective. It's only going down. There's no position or point where calls are going to go up. Um, and that's going to be a preferred communication method. It's just not going to happen, right? So yeah. you can complain about it. You can go on LinkedIn and, and you know, bitch all <laughs> you want, but the reality <laughs> is that's what's happening. And so for me, it's more about thinking, okay, there's all this 
you know, automation, there's all these other places where people are pinging and bothering you. What is going to matter most because of this down curve that's happening? And to me, it's going to be proximity. It's going to be people who are adding value before they ask for anything. It's going to be people that they can see, people that they are being introduced to or being recommended, uh, you know, that a, a peer of theirs is recommending and things like LinkedIn and things like community groups, these places where we're adding value first, I think this is going to be the future personally. And it's almost going back in time where it used to be, let's yeah. all get into I was like, going to say, man, this is a, a blast from the past. Am I starting? To, am I going to have to start going back to the barbershops and start picking off business cards <laughs> off the wall? I mean, it's it's basically the virtual version of that, right, though? I mean, yeah. like, I, I just got a, an uh, invitation earlier today from a colleague of mine who's doing virtual uh, peer speed dating, right? And it's basically the idea of doing this professionally, but everyone sure. getting on for five minutes. Hey, quickly, Tyler, I'm Sean. Let's see if we can connect. What are you working on? What am I working on? Let's see how we can help each other. Because we still want that level of connection. The human beings are not, they, they don't want to connect less. They just want to connect in a different way. And they w- want to make sure that you're not a, a bullshitter is the reality, right? Like yeah. and they're not going to get scammed in any way because that has also skyrocketed. So it's about taking the principles, the first principles of the barbershop, of the neighbor next door, of what the yellow pages and all these things at their core were, which were great delivery mechanisms and ways to start conversations. And they're scaling that to that one-to-one communication that people actually want to have and their real relationships. And these are all buzzwords we hear all the time. I think we'll get into it here today, but tactical ways to actually execute that versus just thinking about like, oh, is there a new plugin I could put in my browser that's going to then get me more leads? Like, <laughs> you know, it's still going to be people to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we're like, as we, as tools continue to get better, it's always going to make our jobs easier, but it's our job to make sure that we don't forget about the customer experience, which is something that I think we've really forgotten about um, as these tools have gotten better, right? It's, it's not, Hey, I can now send 200 emails. I would much rather see a team send 50 really great emails rather than increase, you know, let technology get us better at, at personalization than mass emailing um, with lower open rates and lower reply rates. Yeah. So, so let's, let's go through a tactical re- review right there. Right. So we're yeah. probably talking about chat GPT or, you know, search engine, things like that. What people did is they went, okay, what's the hardest part of my job? Oh, cultivating outreach. So I'll use this tool to do it. And what they missed there is the tool's not designed to replace the human in that. It's designed to be an ideation tool to come up and add context and content for your day-to-day. So what Rex missed is they went, oh, I'll, I'll type in what do I send them, copy that, and then make that do the sending. And then they're using <laughs> these tools to automate clicking send and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The value is actually in what it can provide back to you. So what I've been helping reps do is go, forget looking for copy that you're going to send to them. Use it as a Google on steroids. And if you are like, I sell to learning and development, sales enablement professionals. I am going on a chat GPT and I'm asking them, what are the top 10 pain points that a sales enablement person is dealing with? Insert the blank for your industry or ICP. Absolutely. What are the trends that are happening right now in AI in their industry? So now I'm using that tool to help me <clears throat> fight through the noise that I might not know about because it's not top front and center on LinkedIn, or it's something that I would have to kind of be an insider to learn. 
that is actually a great example of using that tool for insights that I can now level up my skills in the human to human side. So mm-hmm. that would just be an attachable approach. Instead of making you write the copy for you, understand where it's pulling that copy from and help it educate you on your customer so you can get closer to the customer because the customer wants to be talking to a human, not to a perfectly worded email. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on there, right? So often are we calling in and replying uh, or trying to get a hold of somebody and we're constantly getting a hold of bots, right? And so we want to talk to people, right? People want to buy but they don't want to be sold to. And so you have this methodology around providing value in different parts of the sales process. Like, can you maybe help us understand how you're doing that? Yeah, so let's, let's stay on the thread of uh, prospecting just for the next minute or two here. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, if we're using this for something like research or, or the, the initial piece, like we're talking about how we're figuring out what those pain points are, we're helping ourselves to kind of like understand the lay of the land, the landscape, the jobs to be done for our customers. The next thing I would try to do is like, there's this misconception in sales that we have to give value after we get something in return from the prospect. Right. That stuff is gone. Like you, you don't have that luxury anymore. You have to show value and hope that they're going to say yes. So you can give them more value. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that equation has just shifted a little bit because people have done a really terrible job of actually even providing value after they've been paid or been contracted or whatever else. Absolutely. So now we have to offer more proof of concepts or more education, more giveaways, more templates, more value. So everyone sells a different product or service. I can't begin to, you know, sort of generalize all of that. But some things that we've done is like our tool builds content, right? So we will leverage our community to build interactive tutorials on LinkedIn or on HubSpot or Salesforce or insert the blank tech. Because I yeah. know that there are thousands of organizations that are searching for how do I do X in Y? That's something that I know my prospect is searching for. So what we're doing is we're taking that content and we're just saying, hey, I noticed you put a post out there about uh, HubSpot and these things in this community. I've got a whole library that our team has put together. If you're open to it, I'll just share it with you. No ask, no gated paywall, nothing. Just like we yeah. got a library for that. And then it's like, it's almost like PLG, like free trial. So they're going, okay, mm-hmm. start playing around with that. They start feeling like you provided value without asking them of anything. Now they're starting to proactively come to you with questions. So figuring out in your realm, whatever that realm is, what are the pieces of value you can give away from? Is there a connection you can make? Is there a podcast you can host? Is there a meetup you can put together? Are there topics in that industry that you could aggregate people to talk about? And you're just a facilitator, right? You don't have to be the SDR who's an expert in that field because you probably aren't, but you could do the SDR work to connect all these parties to talk about a thing. And then they're going to go, well, shit, I mean, Tyler, he put all this work in to connect us. I wonder what his deal is, right? Now you have yep. people coming to you asking about your product versus you shoving it on top of people. No, that's a totally different approach. And I think it's a breath of fresh air. And and if we had people that took maybe that that line of approach of, hey, I'm going to provide value. And if what I, what I hey, I'm not going to ask you for a meeting until I'm going to provide value. And if I provide value, give me a shot. Right. And I think that's a better approach rather than give me if I get another email that says, give me 15 minutes of your time. Um, I may I may break my computer and have to go to Apple and get an, and get another one. So, like, <laughs> how do we how do we then change the mentality around? Hey, just give me 15 minutes of your time. or Let me have 30 minutes of your time and tell you about what my company does. 
Yeah, we just have to break out of that, um, you know, withholding value until after the the commitment is made. So let's take some other examples just to kind of beat it in people's heads because it, it takes a while for people to start thinking this way. It really does, yeah. You know, it, it's frustrating, but like we just got out of conference season. There's a whole bunch of industry conferences going across everywhere. That might be different for your space, but instead of going, hey, here's this automated message, but hey, I saw that you breathe air and also were at this conference. How about meeting <laughs> me for a coffee and blah, 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 whatever. Like right. no exchange of value. You're one of 50 of those in an inbox that's not being helpful at all. So some differences, I, I put a post out about this. It was like, look, if I'm an SDR, one of the things I might do is like when I'm at that conference, thinking about this like a strategist, not like a robot. Because if you're thinking and doing like a robot, you're en- eventually gonna get replaced by a robot. So Absolutely. if you hey, there you go. a strategist, you're now going to be invaluable to an organization because you're like an idea generation tool versus being that robot clicking buttons. So what if you went to that conference, you figured out who all of the speakers were, what some of those topics were, and you and your team basically wrote like a report on all the stuff that was going on at that conference. This is just a rudimentary example. Yeah. And you aggregated all of that stuff into a white paper, a blog, whatever, some, some deliverable, some piece of content. And you'd be like, hey, I saw you were also at that event. If you're like our team, man, there was so much good stuff going on. You simply couldn't be at all places at the same time. We went ahead and basically like put all of those resources down, pulled in and distilled the best stuff and put it together in a quick report. If you're open to it, happy to share. Right? Oh, that's a good I- one. I love that. Like that's so much better than let me get 15 minutes to tell you about my email marketing software, even though I was at a conference for a totally different purpose, right? And so or, like, or let me scan your badge so you can you can win a a, a rollaway luggage. Exactly. Like, you have to on. think about why the person was where they were. So if I attend a conference, am I there to look at tech that I probably don't need? No, right. I'm at a conference because I want to learn about stuff, which means their yeah. paramount focus or the thing that they're that you can read between the lines and figure out is that they're trying to learn about this stuff, help them learn. They will then want to reciprocate and understand more about you, or at least they'll hold you in higher regard. So yeah. Does it lengthen the sales process in the short term? Sure. Cause it adds like a, you know, basically like a marketing uh, qualified lead versus a sales qualified lead or whatever. But sure. That's what I mean. You're thinking about it in the wrong terms. If you're, if you're dissecting it in that way, we're looking at impact and, attributing our actions to adding value for a customer, that's a great way to start that conversation. And like, if that's the first foot you land on, I guarantee you're going to be in the 0.1% of all outbound that comes to them. Absolutely. Well, and it is one thing to have outbound, uh, an outbound motion, but it's another thing for it to be reciprocated and come back. Right. Um, And so I would say your conversion, if you have this sort of methodology or process, it's going to be much higher with much less workload um, in that sense. So, you know, we covered the prospecting side. Like, talk to me about, like, how, you, how you're providing value in the discovery side because I think a lot of that, right, and um thing that I see reps struggle with is they're trying to take a company or a prospect through their discovery and not, yeah. not necessarily understanding, hey, how is this customer buying and what are they looking to accomplish during this period? Yeah. So let's start with the, the chat GPT piece, right? So you just did yeah. your education. You figured out what the trends and the generalized problems are in that space. You're not using that word for word, but you're helping that kind of retrain your brain about the space. You're trying to educate yourself because you want to be a customer expert and good salespeople are customer experts. So now you kind of like broadly understand some of the stuff that's going on in that industry. 
Now your job is to figure out how to personalize that in preparation before the discovery call ever happens. So with LinkedIn, with conversations you've had with them thus far, with insights and other tools you can pull online, you're aggregating more information. So you've got generic stuff in the industry, then you have specifics on their company. If they're a publicly traded company, you can do things like reading their 10Ks or their investor reports. You can look on LinkedIn, look at the content they're putting out there, and you're aggregating more of those data points. And you're trying to think about this like an analyst and going, okay, I've got all this information that I'm trying to distill. And you're making some assumptions and some hypotheses based on what you've found before you head into that call. So you think that they care about this. They booked a meeting, so they care about something. You're trying to figure out what you think it might be. And the goal is to not go in and go, I know what your problem is. Don't even worry. I'm going to solve all your, all your problems, right? That's why people don't say that, but that, that's kind of the tone they go in with. Right. And it's this idea of like, hey, I did a little poking around. I found X, Y, and Z. I could be totally off base, but I would hope to spend this time just kind of unpacking a few of these things and, and hear that from you and, and what your scenario is, just so I can show you the relevant stuff. The last thing I want to do is show things to you that are not important or I'm totally missing the mark on. Right, so now I'm like educated on the industry. I'm now um, somewhat educated on their situation. Now I'm getting from the horse's mouth, helping me cut away what is not important and cut to what is important. And the quality of those questions are going to be really valuable. And then as they're giving me information on that discovery, obviously I'm using that as like the holy grail gold information. That is yep. what's really going to help me <clears throat> cater the demo I give them or any other, you know, transaction I have within this space. And so um, from there, that's when I'm thinking about more value, right? So what are they actually telling me they need? Obviously, I'm going to show them something, hopefully in that first call or two, and kind of show them how we might be able to help and give them some context. But then I want to like, I don't want to just tell them about how I can help. I want to show them deeper. And this is where more yeah. templates and examples and pilots and things like this can get really powerful because you're just driving value at every stage from your initial outreach to the discovery you decided to do, to how you framed it up to them, to what you're showing them you're going to do together. So that by the time they're ready to pay you, they're like, I mean, he showed me this, all of this, this already no that he's yeah. before anything happens, right? You're almost like, it's like um, getting that full picture before you pull the trigger. It's just going to make you so much more successful. Yeah, like Sean's done all this pre-work and all this work up to this point, and he hasn't even gotten paid for anything. And so really proving yourself as a, you know, we all as, as salespeople, I think, or as, um, as technology people, we like to say we're a partner, but earn the title of partner. And I think that's the way that you do it. Right. And it's providing value through the whole entire thing and truly being a partner. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Um, and the partnership work gets thrown around a lot. You know, we use that for a lot of our resellers and our integrations that we have. Yeah. Um, and that came up specifically from our customers going like, we love your tool, but we get all the way through our workflow and we get stuck and we need to put the content we make with you somewhere else. So the partnerships thing was not a thing we took as a business development strategy. Of yeah. course, it's great for our revenue and all these other things, but it came from customers saying, we want to connect you into the next workflow we do in our business, which is delivery of the content out to our learners. Yeah. And then it was just a light bulb for us going, well, then why aren't we just hooking up with those other companies to help them solve and serve the same customer, right? And like, that's where I think the evolution of adding value over enough time helps you because the customers are open enough to share that feedback. Like, hey, if you could just make us so we can integrate over here, that'd be really helpful. 
And after like the 200th time of us hearing that, we're like, all right, let's really figure this out. Yeah, maybe that's became yeah. an entire strategy for us that revolutionized things because now we're, we're connecting dots proactively and that value is like seen from the first get-go versus something they have to kind of a realization they have to come to. Absolutely. I think you're spot on there. Man, have you always had this sort of approach or like has, did something happen in your career that somewhat changed your approach um, to, to like this methodology? Yeah. So I'd say early on when I was in a small business world, this was really present because I was always the young kid who had no freaking clue what he was doing. So I was yeah. in high school when I started my first lawn care business and I'm you know going door to door and I'm like barely had my driver's license and uh, I'm trying to quote projects and jobs and things and like had no idea what to charge and how any of this stuff worked or taxes yeah. or anything. Right. So like I always felt very uncomfortable being pushy and I was always a little shy and like unsure. So my thought was just like, I just want to wow them with being useful. Like if I can <laughs> just be useful, I just feel like they won't feel like I'm being skeezy and then they'll just hire me and keep me around. Yeah. And so I'd find out that like, you know, Mrs. Jones around the block would always want to, she'd say, oh, Sean, well, you did this thing for me. Do you know anyone that does like roofing or gutters or windows or cleaning? And I didn't do a lot of those things, but I started to be like, well, I probably could help you find someone or this thing. Yeah. I've got a friend who can do. And so it became like this connection game. And that was just like a really big value add for uh, the, the homeowner that they could have like a, a single like point of contact and then have like the, I know a guy type of thing. Absolutely. And that was where it kind of clicked for me initially. It was like, all right, if I can just be a useful resource for my customers, even if I don't solve those problems specifically, I'm removing some friction from their process of something else they need to do. It doesn't always have to come directly from my brand, but I can be that kind of connector piece. And that's where it really stemmed for me. And, and the light bulbs happened when I got into SaaS again, when I saw the same thing starting to happen. Like as we built rapport, they started asking us questions in things that were outside of our industry or things that were like integrations that we didn't do. And that's where it just was like the same general theme, even though it was a wildly different business. It's the yeah. same thing, which was just customers going, it sucks to go and evaluate other vendors or find other people or trust people. Like, I like you. You're great. Who else can you help me? Like, who, who do you know that can help me solve problems? And uh, that's the thing that was really like a light bulb for me and just like trying to scale that as a methodology. Yeah. You know, you talked about um, like the entire sales process, like, and I think some of the part that we forget about sometimes as like the, in this SaaS model is like the delivery and the back end part of, of CS. Like how important is that for you guys at um, IORAD and how are y'all making sure that you're keeping customers happy after you, because I think there can be maybe even some fall off after you provide a ton of value at the beginning and they start to use the product and maybe they have their first hang up and it's like, Hey man, where did, where did Sean and team go? You know, that's a really, really great insight, Tyler, to pull up uh, because you think there's there's so much that gets focused pre-sales uh, yeah. and, and so little that gets talked about as in the delivery side. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so that's really where that came from. I mean, when I was trying to learn more about the, the learning and development and training space, the first thing I did is like go to a CS and be like, I, I just need to understand who our customers are and what they do and yeah. who are the happy ones, who are the ones we lost, like what does that look like? And so it's just this education on our customer asking them a million questions. And I found out we had a lot of really happy customers and I'd ask them like why these things were happening. And it was always a couple of things. It was always like, you guys, whenever I was looking for something, you already had an article or an answer for it. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So you mean like pro proactivity is helpful. Like knowing that you're not alone and 
We're not the first yeah. customer who had that question, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, that's cool. So that was one of the things I put as like a North Star. All right, be proactive, have resources available. If you can make them available before they ask, if they have to ask you, make sure it's really easy to get to. So that was a big thing. Uh, the other thing was just like um, being able, quick um, speed in, in response, right? So when someone had a question, jump in quickly, make sure that there was no time lapsed, um, no significant time lapsed. And then from the, the resource side, it was the same general thing. Like when we were on a call and, and our, our post sales, Lauren, she does a great job of this. She's thinking through the lens of that person. So like you're in this role or this department and she automatically was like, this is the set of use cases I'm almost going to guarantee you're dealing with. So everything yeah. was weaved through this lens of like, it's probably one of these four problems or use cases you're solving for. So we took like a lot of that and brought that into the pre-sales that we helped to educate with. Um, so really the, the post sales has been just a culmination of, uh, for us in success, how do we make that customer just like we get absolutely educated on them so that everything feels proactive. And that's been the, the big shift for us. And it's, it's really worked well. And is you being that proactive on the CS side, has that helped on the sales side to better understand the customer? I would assume it is. It, it does. I mean, it's a giant flywheel, right? So like, yeah. there's a number of reasons. One, you're helping with things like churn and vacant accounts that like they're paying you now, but they're probably going to churn because no one's right. talked to them about using the tool. So proactivity really helps with that. Um, secondly, like just referrals. I, I just started reaching out like maybe a year and a half ago to our customers and going like, can you just get on a 15 minute call? I, I want to know what you hate about our tool, what you like about our tool and like what's going on. And that 15 minutes always ended up being an hour. And they would just go right. like, these three things are so annoying about your tool, but I absolutely love, and they would spend 30 minutes going through all the things they love. And also Mary, she is in this company and she would be really interested. Like 30% of them would, add, uh, would lead to some kind of referral because we were asking questions and we would just proactively want to know what was going on. And yeah. plus we got like amazing product feedback as well. And so it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy there. And then when we were looking at someone on the pre-sales side that looked like someone on the post-sales side, we could just go like, yeah, here's, here's Susan. She's super successful. This is what it looks like. Here's what yeah. she cared about and how we help. Uh, by the way, here's a couple of free templates, right? So I think you can sense this theme that like it's all connected. It doesn't need to be like this super rigid pre-sales, super rigid post-sales with like no connection between them. It should be like this free-flowing flywheel. No, I love that. And I think you're spot on there. Um, something that definitely companies can take something away from. What, what advice would you give? And it's somewhat taking a step back, but what advice would you give to like this young, like a, a younger salesperson that <clears throat> they're maybe being told, hey, you need 200 touch points a day. Um, and it's not necessarily about the quality. It's about the quantity. Yeah, th this is a, a really big problem. So, you know, you're an SDR, an AE you know, you have limited control over some of the playbooks and the things you need to go through. Yeah. One, on the long term, make sure you're aligned when you say yes to a job and you believe in the company and how they think about uh, executing and serving their customer. I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow, but, you know, your success is like 80% what you put into it, but there's like a good 20, 25% that's going to lead to just the role that you picked in the org that you're in, right? There's things yeah. outside of your control. If it's a crap product, if they don't fulfill on the post-sales <laughs> side, if they are putting unreasonable metrics on you, like there are things out of your control. I don't want people to fixate on that and go like, oh, I can't be successful because I have to do work because that's how pe some people take it. Like it's going to be hard. So picking the right company is fundamental. 
Um, the other thing I would do is just look at like what the real goals are. So like if it's meeting set, I would fight like hell to figure out how I can crystallize specifically on that output and not so much the input because often it might take a couple of months to stand up more of a LinkedIn strategy or how you're going to go about something that might not be 200 cold calls, but it still might equate to the same amount of output. And so, I mean, you know, you sometimes don't have control over that, but like, that's the big thing I tell reps is like, make sure you can have a conversation with them. Like if I can still hit my numbers and my goals and I make these other connections or I'm serving our post sales with expansions or upsells and things like that, is there more than one way to skin this cat? Like you yeah. can't, there, there's a, there's a TAM, right? There's a total addressable market and we're burning the shit out of it by calling everyone constantly. We've already proven that that doesn't work. So if you just don't have another strategy like that, that's, that's a huge problem. And so my thing is just like, have those open conversations with leadership that like, what is actually what you want is what you want meetings, then help. I'm going to figure out creative ways to get that done. And it might not involve 90, 199 calls in a day, right? Like there yeah. might be other ways I have to do that in order for me to differentiate. You're asking your AEs to differentiate and get creative, but I can't, right? That's not really a fair endeavor. So I'm not yeah. saying you change anything in terms of your goals or structures other than how you might get to that result. And for the love of God, maybe do something that like helps people that they want to also receive. You know, you can start to kind of change the game if you can demand that, but you have to stand it up with your results. That's not an easy thing to do, but I would really focus on that goal specifically and underscore that. Yeah. And I don't want any of you listening to say, Hey, um, have your sales leader come message Sean, Sean or I and say, Hey, uh, you told my rep not to call anybody. That's not what we're saying. There is a place for the phone. What we are saying is the, as these tools continue to get better, you need to bring personalization to your outreach. Right. And so if you can do that at scale and still make a hundred calls, good for you. Um, but I maybe question that a little bit. I would say maybe you need to put a little bit more time into your prospecting and and creating maybe a better, a little bit better of a quality outreach. But I'm never going to be mad at the rep that says, "Hey, I can do it at scale and at reach." I would say prove it, and we can yeah. we can then have you on the podcast afterwards so you can share us all how you did that and, and the results you got from it. But happy um, to have a conversation there. But we're not saying no phone at all. Agreed. <laughs> Um, you've sold to different clients and in industries kind of along your time, like, does the approach ever change? I would say the human to human approach never changes. The tactics and locations might shift slightly. So yeah. there are industries that are not on LinkedIn, like they're, or they're just not active. They might be listed on there for when they change jobs, but they don't really have big activities there like pharmaceuticals or, you know, like governments and things like that, where they can't yeah. really post, you know, you might have limitations there. So that doesn't mean that I'm doing an inhumane strategy somewhere else. It just means I'm still doing that. I just might not be able to use that channel. So I might have to shift that. So like, for me, I'm always looking for congregations, like where people are hanging out to try to learn more about that industry. You know, two and a half years ago or so, I stepped into this L&D world. I didn't know a whole bunch about that. So first couple of things I tried to do, like I said, go on um, post sales and CS, learn more about our customers, figure out who they are, and just did mind mapping to understand those industry points. Like who are the other players? Who are our competitors? What are the other tools that are adjacent to us? Who are the industries? Who are the thought leaders, the podcasts in that space? What is yeah. industry events are happening? 
um, what webinars are going on, who's talking about these sort of things. Now I'm finding all these connection points of where our people hang out online and offline. Well, now I can devise strategies to try to get myself closer in proximity to those various locations. If that's an event, how am I doing the event? You know, I'm not going there with a badge scanner like we talked about and just doing that, right? I'm thinking about getting creative. So the human approach is the highest level strategy. I'm taking that to whatever those mini channels are and I'm figuring out creative ideas to get in front of them. So um, it, it that doesn't change from the highest level, just the execution in where and what we're actually doing from the creative idea side would shift slightly depending on who the audience is. No, that totally makes sense. Um, and I think it all comes down to like knowing who you're selling to and how they want to be sold to. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you got different age brackets, demographics, you got language barriers and locations. Yeah. Um, you've got personality types with different roles, like go sell to a sales leader, then go to sell to somebody who's a director of IT. Those are very different people, right? Like you're going to have extremely different conversations there. So it's vitally important to actually understand the personas, what that person's doing, like how you know much schooling someone who is in one of those, those top tier, like technical fields had to get. You know how much time was spent to become like a director of product or a product manager somewhere? Like they have they have different life experience. So unpacking that is really important to understand who you're talking to. And th that is then going to tell you um, how to sell to them. I always tell a really quick story about one of the best sellers I know. He's like one of the most socially awkward people I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> like, well, how is that possible? Because they think yeah. of someone in sales being gregarious and charismatic and great with their words and all these sort of things. And he is just an absolute and utter expert in the biopharma world. He is one of them. Like he's a certified nerd in his space. Like that's his title. That's what he like likes to talk about. And yeah. it's all about the scientific uh, studies and the, the latest things coming out in that space. And like his prospects come to him for information. He's the seller of the products, right? So like that's how powerful and how much he spent 30 years building that brand. But like, this is what I mean if I go in that space, they're going to not be interested in speaking to somebody like me if I'm trying yeah. to take this other approach of being more like a SaaS seller, right? And yep. so that's what I mean by this is it really matters in catering tour towards that persona group, which also take types in psychographics and some of these other things, not just like, you know, the industry itself. Actually, I'd love to hear about like how your team is using LinkedIn to, to, to get leads or to like just educate. Yeah, for sure. So it's a lot of what I've been covering here. We just use this as like the virtual conference type of, of situation, right? So like, absolutely. First set of things I'm trying to do is expand my network on here. So I have not only target prospects that I'm trying to build my relationship with, but I also have like partners and I have peers as well, because I'm not just trying to connect with customers. I also want to know people like yourself, like we might not be each other's customers, but we like yeah. each other's content. We support each other. We also can brainstorm about what's going on in our spaces. And that will also help us grow as professionals. And secondly, it'll help us connect each other to other things that might be going on. Absolutely. That peer connection is something people miss. They just look at it as like, again, like this slot machine, like it has one function and it's like, that's mm -hmm. not going to be helpful for LinkedIn. It's much more powerful than that. So don't negate the power of a peer network to bounce ideas off of other people going through similar experiences. Um, the other thing that people miss is that it can be a really great information feeder. The posts that are going out there, the updates that companies are making. Um, I just saw a new feature today. There was uh, interactive uh, articles, I think they're called. I don't know exactly. Oh, wow. It might be a beta feature. 
but it's like, it's like a concept in an industry. And I think it might be through LinkedIn groups and any of the thought leaders can comment and share their own perspective on different topics. Like if I'm an SDR or like a rep, I just want to read through my, my ICP telling me all the problems <laughs> that they have and how they're trying to solve them right now. I mean, like what the hell is more powerful for, than that from like an Absolutely. information gathering perspective. So like, that's be another example. It's an education research tool. So we use it a lot for that. What are the updates? What are the job changes? I mean, people are getting hired and fired left and right right now. Great way to get a pulse on which orgs are growing, which ones aren't. Um, and then when it comes to the prospecting and, and like, you know, customer building side, that's where I'm, I'm connecting with folks every day. I'm also just putting content out there that hopefully speaks to them. Um, so we grow a lot through our resellers. So a lot of the AEs end up being our customers who are taking us to the end user. Yeah. So I'm putting resources out there for my AEs to learn about what learning and development professionals are dealing with or what sales enablement challenges are happening. I might be interviewing people in my space. I might be running like a LinkedIn live to talk to them about that. I might be yeah. sharing, like if I'm not an expert, I might be asking folks who are to share their insights and I'm repurposing that. It's still my content, but it's from a thought leader. So I can almost borrow their expertise. Like you don't have to be the expert yourself in order to have an opinion. You can also just be an aggregator or a facilitator of some of that content. So we use it in those sort of ways. Obviously, we jump into LinkedIn uh, DMs to try to start conversations. We keep that very, very value-driven, not until we've added some kind of takeaway or a good um, good reason to begin a dialogue. Um, but that's just some of the ways we do it. It's like research, it's evaluations, it's um, mind mapping to understand orgs. It's also building up the network connections, the content piece, publications. But all in all, it's just like that proximity to our customers and our general sort of ecosystem. And that, that's our main strategy. Yeah, no, I love that. I think you're spot on, man. I hope um, people listen to this and think, hey, we need to rethink about how we're doing outreach to our prospects and and, and really transition it back to how do we provide value to customers through the entire um, process. So I appreciate you spending the time with us. One last question for you, Sean. When you leave this life, how do you want to be remembered? I would say I think most about the word impact. So like how many lives could I impact with um, good value, you know, valuable driven uh, approaches, right? It's like, that's what I yeah. think about a lot, both for my family, friends, was I able to be a connector to people by knowing me, were they better off by those things, both my customers, my organization, my colleagues. Um, so impact is really what I think about. And, you know, were they better because they knew me? So those, those are some of the things I think about and try to try to have a lasting impact for. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, after our conversation today, I think you're doing just that. And I think that's definitely what you would be remembered for. How do you want people to connect with you if they want to connect with you after this podcast? I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, LinkedIn would be the best place. Uh, cold calls will not be the best place. So I would say... Uh, <laughs> Head over to Sean Adams on LinkedIn. Give me a follow. I put a lot of content out there. Always happy to connect and talk about sales. Uh, I share a lot about sales, best practices on there as well. Um, and would love to try to add you to the network. Love it. Sean, we appreciate you um, jumping on with us. And it's just another episode of How the Greats Do It.